Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Butts About It. I am your host, Josh Butts, in my dining room in Indiana. Stan, the Jet fan, who wanted me to mention that he hates Connecticut, is somewhere on the East Coast. Um, we had a great Thanksgiving watching some football, eating some good food, and I hope the rest of you all did as well. However, now that Thanksgiving is over, it is officially Christmas time, so I've got my Santa hat. I'm an angel, clearly, by the hat. Santa's going to bring me some nice gifts. Uh, we just finished watching the Black Friday Jets versus Miami game, and uh, Stan texted me he wanted to cry in the middle of it. So, Stan, what have you got? I mean, it's, it was a rough game. I mean, it, it is Thanksgiving, and I think the one thing I can be thankful for is that at the beginning of the season, especially because we had Aaron Rodgers coming in, I was worried we'd have bandwagon fans. But now this has cemented that we're not going to have to deal with that this year. So one thing to be thankful for. Outside of that, I think in on every level, management, coaching, and then players, uh, there was nothing really to, to grasp at. It was a very bad game. I mean, and the big issue came in the offense and the lack of clarity in that offense, uh, except for one drive basically at the end of the game. Um, which, uh, you know, the defense was doing well up until that offense began throwing the ball away. And even before then, uh, the offense would have three and outs, but the defense would somehow pull it all together. Um, it puts so much pressure on the defense, and I think that's where you saw this game, a complete breakdown of pressure on the defense and an offense that didn't know what to do with the ball. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't watch the game, go back and at least watch, like, the last 30 seconds before halftime. Because you had interception for touchdown, then another interception, and then there's two seconds left on the board, and you're like, okay, what are they going to do? Tim Boyle throws what is now called the Hell Mary. That is what it has been officially dubbed. I don't know if you've seen that. This ball was thrown into the end zone, intercepted by Javon Holland, and ran all the way back for a touchdown for the Dolphins going into halftime. It was like the worst-case scenario for the Jets. But... Speaking of Tim Boyle, I mean, this whole discussion all year has been, wow, if Aaron Rodgers was in as the New York Jets quarterback, this team would be so much better. This is all Zach Wilson's fault. Um, Zach Wilson needs to be fired. He should never be in an NFL team again. And there, I think we both kind of reached the point where we were like, well, hold on. I don't – maybe it's not all Zach Wilson. Like, he's not perfect, but – this O-line is awful. Like, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I might be like, you know what? You know, the old knee, it's not healing right. I might be sitting back, maybe pushing back that return date a little bit because I don't know that anyone would be successful on this offense. And Tim Boyle struggled. Is this, is this a situation where you've just got two bad quarterbacks? Do you need to go bring in Cam Newton? What, do you, what are you thinking here? I, I think Cam Newton should have been in the building months ago. I mean, this is a situation of bad management. Tim Boyle is not a good quarterback. If you look through his history in the NFL, he's never had a good game, not one single good game. If you look at college, I think his first year in college, he, he got, what, uh, one touchdown and I think 13 interceptions. So even in college, he wasn't a great quarterback. I really don't know how he's in the league right now. And I think for the Jets' management, they've reached a position where they've put themselves – into a losing team's uh, kind of p position. And, and I think the fault is on the management. Um, in regards to Zach Wilson, I think he would have played this game way better. And uh, 
to, to your point about Aaron Rodgers, thankfully he did say he's definitely going to play this season and he will play as soon as he can, even if the Jets lose every game up until that point. So Aaron Rodgers is, I think, more just he wants to make a point that he is healthy enough, that he is athletic enough to make a historic recovery. So uh, hopefully when Aaron Rodgers comes back, we'll see something different. But for right now, um, the quarterback room is in shambles. I mean, if it's not for Boyle, then who? Like, who, who is going to come to the Jets and make the difference here? And why were they not brought onto the team two months ago? I mean, so Zach Wilson wasn't even the backup quarterback today. He was the emergency quarterback. The only way he could go onto the field is if Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon both got hurt. Zach Wilson, I mean, yes, he's not amazing. Probably not worth the second overall pick. But he played no worse than anyone else we've seen in New York this year. And I think, and me and you talked about this before the game, he has grown a lot this year. And if you go back and watch his last press conference, they try to get him to blame the O-line and blame a bunch of other stuff. And he's like, no, it's on me. And he takes the blame. That's very different from where we saw him a year ago when he was like, no, it's not my fault. Now he's taking all the blame. And I, I think if anything, you have to say Zach Wilson has grown as a person this year. Maybe he's not your starter. Maybe he's not the future of your franchise. But I don't think anyone can have success in this Jets offense. Is it Nathaniel Hackett? Oh, uh, yeah. I do think coaching and management does have a lot of blame here. I think in benching Wilson as well as benching other players, a lot of a lot of that goes on to them. I mean, they, they took three different players, Uzoma, they took Lazar, they took Wilson. They said, we're going to sh- teach them a lesson this week. Well, guess what? You take three of your highest paid players and telling them we're going to teach them a lesson this one week. This, these this this benching should have been done months ago. Right. I mean, if you're trying to make a point, make it at the time that's necessary. You're going to wait till one week and try to throw all this out at the entire team. It's, it's a lot of pressure on everyone else on the team and all, all the backups, three backups who are now stepping up in the starting roles. Uh, so it's, it's just really bad management and coaching in, in terms of the coaching. I mean, I, I think uh, Hackett is looking a bit more like Adam Gase, you know, very lethargic, a very pulled back level of offense. I mean, there's one point of the season where my friends and I, you know, we're, we're making jokes about it because every single drive would be run, run, pass run, run, pass, or really run, run, pass, punt. Um, so it, it's just not a very good uh, offense you're seeing from Hackett. Uh, that's one thing that worries me as a fan of the Jets, where, you know, you look at other teams that have dropped their their OCs recently. I don't think the Jets will, because Hackett was brought here for one reason, that, that Aaron Rodgers was in the building, and Aaron Rodgers is still in the building. So unfortunately, I think we're going to deal with a lot more of Hackett uh, rather than getting rid of him like we should. Do you honestly believe, though, that Aaron Rodgers is going to come in and win games behind that O line? Because I think I, one... I think the O line is the main issue. And I'm I'm Joe Tipman was one of my favorite draft prospects, and I there were a couple times where he got beat today, and the O line just in general has been awful all season. So I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't a mobile guy. What do you, what yeah, do you... but Aaron Rodgers is very good at reading the field. And I think Aaron Rodgers also, he knows how to organize the field. Uh, with Boyle and Wilson, they're not very good at telling players uh, what to do. If you look at Aaron Rodgers before any sort of play, just look back to any of his plays last season, you know, you'll see him he's telling, okay, you, 
go up here. You run a go route. You run this. Mm -hmm. He's changing the place. He knows how to read the field very well. So when you're talking about these fat, these fast uh, rushers coming in, you're talking about these quick passes going out. That is what Aaron Rodgers uh, is, is very good at. And the two teams we're going up against where I think we're going to see Rodgers in the last two weeks of the season are the Patriots, who this style of football will work great against. I think Aaron Rodgers can definitely beat the Patriots, which will be the first win since I was in middle school. And the other game is against the Browns, right? Uh, and, and the Browns have a very good defense. So that's, that's the one I'm really nervous about because the Browns, they know how to get after the quarterback. So if Rodgers, you know, who is known for reading the field, one of the best to ever throw a football in the NFL – um, I think there's no question about it. I think he's going to at least improve our chances of winning these games. And Rodgers also has an effect on the locker room. I, I imagine the rest of that defense, the rest of the offense, are going to seem way more you know, up to the level at that point in the season. I think Rodgers also has a really good connection with Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and Lazard, so three of your best offensive pieces, two of them who are real you know, threats to the, to the opposing team's defense. Um, having a better connection between the quarterback and, and Hall and Wilson, I think that's also a game changer. So, I mean, yes, Aaron Rodgers being on any team definitely improves your chances of winning. But I have a feeling Miles Garrett has that Jets game circled because that could be a very big – and you said you're scared a little bit. Is that something that scares you? Because Miles Garrett has been – known to be a guy he can make the entire game about him if given the chance. And against this O-line, that could be a game to watch for where he's just like, I am going to get a touchdown in this game and I am going to sack Aaron Rodgers 20 times. Yeah, no, that's Miles Garrett is definitely the person I'm looking at when I'm uh, concerned about that Cleveland defense. Uh, the good thing for us, though, is we have plenty of weeks between now and then for the offense to hopefully improve. Uh, we're going to have a few guys coming back off injury reserve to, you know, add some more bodies to that O-line. Um, you know, Brown came back into the game today, and he, I don't think he really played. I think Warren took pretty much all the snaps, so maybe Brown will start in a, in a, in a starting role from here on. Um, and I think there's just so many parts of that offense that, that I, could, I could expect some improvement between now and then. Um, we have two really tough games coming up. One of those is going to be against the Texans. Another one's going to be uh, a rematch against the Dolphins. Um, but if, if our offense is able to, you know, do decently while the rest of those games against teams like the Falcons, for example, uh, against the Commanders, um, I think we could really walk away with at least something towards the end of the season. And I don't think that means a playoff spot at this point in the season. I think we need to attract big names in the free agency. And I think that's why Rodgers wants to come back. Because if, if teams see that Rodgers isn't all washed up, if teams see that Rodgers is trying to make a Super Bowl run, a lot of players are going to get traded here or going to come here in free agency. Okay. You you touched on this a little bit, but I know you wanted to get a little more specific into it. The benchings. Lazard, Uzama. There, there was one other guy you mentioned as well. Um, Lazard being the big guy, though, I think, because you just brought him in. Uh, $44 million contract. That's a huge contract. Um, benching him. What, what was the reasoning behind that? Well, Lazard has had a terrible season. He's looked very bad on the field, and I think – that was the reason they benched him. Um, here's my issue with that decision. One, Lazard was still, even even after this game, I still believe he's the second, may, at, at worst, the third best wide receiver on this team. So all you do by taking him off the field is cripple your offense. Um, Lazard, a big issue with him is he was having a lot of penalties. And I think mm -hmm. uh, it was a decision by the coaching staff to say, hey, you're having all these penalties uh, back off. Same thing with Uzoma. Uzoma had two really big penalties last game. And they're saying, hey, you've had these penalties. Sit down, think about it, come back. 
Here's the thing, though. You don't have the type of depth to just take these players off the field. And furthermore, you're taking three starting players off the field in one week. That is a terrible idea. Anyone can tell you that's a terrible idea. Yeah, not not a great move. Are you worried that that move is going to anger them as starters and just be like, okay, we're not going to try our hardest and then request a trade in the offseason or something like that? Well, Wilson's matured a lot, so I don't see that from him. And I think Wilson understands that if he doesn't play well this season, if he gets another chance, he might be towards the end of his career. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to make the Darnold uh, kind of come back as a backup because I don't think people see that type of upside in Wilson. Uh, so managers around the league, I can't imagine too many of them are going to sign Zach Wilson. I think Wilson's definitely going to jump into any position, he, uh, any any uh, place he gets from this team. Um, with Lazard, I don't really know enough about Lazard. I could see him just getting a little bit kind of humbled by this and hopefully working on uh, the mistakes he's made. Uzoma, I think, though, he's a player who really responds well to strong coaching. Um, and Uzoma's been a leader in this locker room. So I think I could definitely see Uzoma, out of all these three players, being the one who might benefit the most from this benching. And Uzoma's a guy I always liked. I always thought he was a big team player. So uh, that that's a little interesting to me that he needs to be humbled a bit. But that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, do want to mention before we move on real quick, Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert had another great game against the Jets. Um, Tyreek Hill on the quest for 2,000. He's getting there. He's going to get it, I think. He's about – 800 or so yards away with the quick maths and he he has six weeks left to go he needs to average like 106 yards per game at this point and he got 102 today it says so uh should be easy money for him i think (laughs) but that's gonna be legendary and i was honestly kind of rooting for him because i want him to get that record because that's awesome uh but that's the only thing I had with the Dolphins. I mean, Mike McDaniel was – I had someone explain to me what off-whites were on Twitter because his shoes looked zip-tied together to me. But uh, I love Mike McDaniels, love Tyreek Hill. I love what the Dolphins are doing. They still haven't, uh, to my knowledge, beat a team with a winning record when they played them yet, though. So that's something to watch out for. Next, let's move on to the Thanksgiving games. We had Detroit versus Green Bay. We love the Detroit Lions here on the show. The fans have been super cool to us. They did not win yesterday. I was rooting for them. I was, I was polling Detroit. I was trying. And uh, the discussion that has kind of blossomed the last two weeks has been, okay, Jared Goff got us to this point. He, This is where we're at now. Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, they've got us here. Now, last week, Jared Goff throws three interceptions. They won, but he still threw three interceptions against the Bears, and they almost lost. Now you go against Green Bay, and it's a one-score touchdown game. And you could argue that the reason the Green Bay Packers got the touchdown they did to win the game was because he fumbled, and it was the touchdown that they got off the scoop and score. You could argue that. People are now saying they need to trade Jared Goff from Detroit, um, get in a guy who can win them playoff games. I saw one guy on Twitter say Jared Goff is Andy Dalton if Andy Dalton had won a playoff game. Um, So just this kind of average guy who can win you games. Um, I have my thoughts about that, but Stan, what do you think? 
Well, when you first told me about this, my immediate reaction was, why would you want to get rid of Gotham? He's a, he's a, he's a very good quarterback. And maybe he's not you know the best in the league, but at the very least, he's consistent week in, week out. He performs pretty well. Um, then I remembered something. Before Goff, who did they have? They had Stafford, right? They had mm-hmm. Stafford for so many years. And I think out of all the uh, quote-unquote bad franchises in the league, the Lions have been spoiled because they really haven't had a bad quarterback. I can't remember, uh, you know, in my time of watching football, a Lions team led by a bad commander on the field. And I think that's why, uh, you know, you hear this from the fans. Um, for me, as a Jets fan, who's never really had a good quarterback since maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess, um, I I disagree with this heavily. I think you've got to keep Jared Goff there unless you have some sort of for sure trade for, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes or someone. Mm-hmm. But the chances of that happening are so low. I think unless you build someone by picking them in the third round, second round, whatever of the draft and, and developing them into a good quarterback, which you do have, you know, seven first round graded quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. So maybe that's an option. But I just don't think you get rid of Jared Goff unless you have some for sure way to, to – improve your offense by some other quarterback so jared goff this season has 67.9 percent completion rate 3075 passing yards 18 touchdowns and eight interceptions 96.9 rating um that's kind of where he's been most of his career those stats are pretty well in line with where he should be Last year, though, he was the best quarterback at protecting the ball in terms of touchdown-to-interception ratio. He had 29 touchdowns, only 7 interceptions, 4,438 passing yards. He has not had a quarterback rating, though, above 100 since 2018 when he was with the Rams. And I think a lot of people that I'm seeing this discussion with are – wanting to see Hendon Hooker. I think that's their end goal because the Lions did draft Hendon Hooker. He's a rookie, and they're kind of saying there's that, like, kind of rookie potential. Like, they're like, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know yet. And they're not realizing that this guy could – Hooker could be awful. He could be amazing or he could be awful. Those are the two options, really. Because anything else, you have Jared Goff again. So, um, I – I agree with you. I think getting rid of Jared Goff is a terrible, terrible thing to do. And hopefully a lot of these tweets I was seeing when I looked up Detroit Lions because I wanted to see what the what the fans were talking about so we could talk about it. And I was shocked, honestly, to see all of these tweets talking about whether they should trade Der- Jared Goff. Because you also have to ask the question, if you're saying, okay, no, we're not going to replace him with Hendon Hooker, who are you going to replace him with? Like you said, who is better than Jared Goff right now that you're going to get? You're not going to go out and get Cam Newton in free agent. That makes no sense at all. You're not going to bring in some random dude who, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or Robert Griffin III or something like that. Those are both downgrades at this point. I, I don't think getting rid of Jared Goff is the answer. He's not the best quarterback in the league, Like again, like you said. But he can win you football games. He can get you to a Super Bowl. He took the Rams to a Super Bowl. Um, And you can argue that was McVay, that was Aaron Donald, that was whatever. Either way, he was the quarterback in the Super Bowl. Next thing, Aiden Hutchinson. Love Aiden Hutchinson. Fantastic player. You don't see it in the stats because he doesn't get a lot of sacks, even though he is the Lions sack leader. 
He gets great quarterback rushes, though. Didn't happen yesterday. He did. He was pretty much a non-factor for most of the game because the uh, Packers O-line just showed up, I guess. Um, Jordan Love ended up having a great game because of it, and when Aiden Hutchinson isn't able to do what Aiden Hutchinson does, the entire Packers defense seems to fall apart. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Did you watch the game? Did you notice anything about Aiden Hutchinson or the Lions defense that I'm not noticing? You know, I watched the game. I didn't really notice as much of this. Um, for me, what I really noticed was uh, the Packers being a very consistent offense. I mean, you saw a very consistent play style. They weren't holding on to the ball too long. I think that might have been the big difference here. I mean, Love, who you know has been really inconsistent on the field, uh, he looked really sure of his passes uh, yesterday. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He looked confident in it. Um, in regards to Hutchinson being stopped, you know, I, I can't say I really noticed that too much. Um, I think the announcers might have mentioned it here and there um, that Hutchinson hasn't had the best of games. But to me, I think, you know, you're a rookie. You're on, uh, you know, on, on primetime television. A mess up here is okay. Uh, breathe, take a second, take a step back, and get ready for the next game. Uh, Hutch- Hutchinson isn't a rookie, though. He's a second-year second Yeah, he's a second-year player, just to clarify. I can already see the comments. <laughs> um. But no, I think you're right. I they they do have a questionable defense. They've had some injuries on defense too, but the, in general they have a very young defense. Um I think there's a lot of anger that's being carried over from their game against the Bears and people are like how did we almost lo- lose to the Bears and then they lost to the Packers two divisional games in a row, two rival teams in a row. Um Aiden Hutchinson is great. He's going to be a guy to build your defense around for a long time. Um, I I am totally pro Aiden Hutchinson. You brought up Jordan Love, had a great game. And uh, you didn't – before the show, we talked about this a little bit when we were going over what we were going to talk about. This was Jordan Love's best game of the season in terms of overall performance. He had a 68.8% completion percentage. 268 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 125.5 rating. The last time he had a rating over 120 was in week one against the Chicago Bears, and that was a 123.2. And his completion percentage that week was 55.6%. So that's nearly a 13% jump from the Bears to playing against the Lions in week 12. So definitely something... Hopefully that becomes consistent if you're a Packers fan with Jordan Love, because you you mentioned it as this as well. You've been just taking all my talking points today because same mind. You're, um, Jordan Love has been somewhat inconsistent. He has a bunch of 300 yard games, but he also has a bunch of games under 200 yards. So it's like, which version of Jordan Love are you going to get this week? And with Aaron Jones out, you kind of have to hope you get the 300 yard multiple touchdowns, no interceptions version. So um, that's all I've got for that game. I don't know. You got anything else? I mean, one last point about Love. Uh, out of everything that he's done well this season, and he, he has had some great games, and uh, even better than that Chicago game, you have to realize this is coming against a, a really good uh, defense, right? 
I mean, the Lions are not some random defense out there. They're not the Chicago Bears. So to have your best game against the Lions in primetime, it shows me that not only is he consistent, he's confident, he's comfortable, right? And that makes a really big difference for quarterbacks who are thrust into the spotlight. We've, we've all known, we've all heard Jordan Love's names, but it's mostly from uh, memes, right? Mm-hmm. Like none of us have really seen him perform as a starting level quarterback up until this season. And now in this game against probably, well, easily the hottest team in the NFL, right? The team everyone's talking about, the Detroit Lions, c- come out of nowhere and have such a great season. Uh, we even discussed this a little bit in the, in the preseason that we knew this would be the hot streak team. Um, to have that type of performance against this team means something way more than than that Bears game. It means something way more than uh, the other wins he's had this season. Yeah, agreed. Next game, Washington Commanders <laughs> versus the Dallas Cowboys. Final score was ten to forty-five. Uh, was not a fun game to watch, but I watched it anyway. Um, now, people, Jack Del Rio, the commander's defensive coordinator, was let go today after Ron Rivera suggested it. But there have been discussions about whether Ron Rivera should be let go as the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator there, and it seems like Ron Rivera is going to be taking over as defensive coordinator or at least have more say um, with the defensive play calling. So... What do you think about Ron Rivera? Should he be out of there? Is he donezo? You know, I've never been the biggest fan of Ron Rivera. And, you know, seeing him with Washington these last, you know, couple years, I think it's gotten a little bit worse because he hasn't done even a great job at leading the locker room. You know, Rob Sala, who's a coach for the Jets, who I don't really like all too much right now, um, I could say he's done a great job at leading the locker room. Rivera, to my understanding, is not very well liked by his players. He's not done a great job of bringing in free agency signings. So what has he done? Has he won? Not even that, right? So Ron Rivera as a coach, I think this should be the end of his journey. I think the commanders, they have a lot of pieces they can pick up. Uh, but, you know, getting rid of your two best pass rushers shows me that that front office, they're not trying to pick up those pieces. They're trying to move on. So I think Ron Rivera is just a, a victim that has to has to be killed as part of this rebuild. So I've had discussions with people about this and I am kind of a Ron Rivera apologist and I understand the frustrations. I understand there's no winning, but there's no talent on the team, on the Washington commanders. I mean, you didn't really have a quarterback to work with until this year, Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke and a returning off of an injury that almost killed him. Alex Smith. We're not going to win you a lot of games. And I'm I'm sorry to those guys, but I think we all know that. Um, defensively, okay, you can say they have a ton of first-round picks on the defense. You just traded two of them. You traded two of your, like you said, best defenders away. Terry McLaurin is really the only guy on offense you've had for a while who's super talented. This is the first year that you were not being ran by the most corrupt owner in the NFL, possibly in sports history. Everything that Dan Snyder did was awful. It was not focused on winning football games. And I am very much a person, and I it might be because I witnessed Zach Taylor, and I saw people be like, Zach Taylor's awful, fire him. First season. Then second season, it gets better. Third season, it gets even better. 
And, you know, they as they build their culture, I don't – maybe I'm wrong here. But I would like to see Ron Rivera kind of get to actually build his culture under a team because he's taken a team to the Super Bowl before. And I looked it up. People are saying he's a defensive moron. When he was the defensive coordinator for the Chargers – in 2009, they were ranked 16th overall, the, the Chargers' defense was. In 2010, they were, they were first. 2011, he became the Panthers' head coach. There's not, I don't think there's a lot of personnel changes between one year. And to get a team from average to the best in the NFL, that's, that's an impressive thing. So he clearly knows something. And maybe he doesn't have the locker room. But he has been through a ton on the commanders. He's been through corrupt ownership. He had cancer that he beat. Um, he hasn't really had a lot of talent to work with. And I don't know how much of a say he has with getting players in. I know he said he wanted Carson Wentz. I don't know if that's true or if he was just saying that so that the media would shut up about the whole narrative that he didn't want Carson Wentz. Um, and he was kind of trying to help Carson. I think he cares a lot about the players. And then the other thing is no one's talking about how Eric Bieniemy, as the offensive coordinator, he's supposed to be this offensive guru that made Patrick Mahomes who he is. Now they're only putting up 10 points on offense. So you're not going to win a lot of football games, even with an average defense, if your offensive coordinator is only – calling plays that get you 10 points. And you know that. You're a Jets fan. That's like the Jets' whole problem is they can't put offensive points on the board. They can only put defensive points on the board. So I understand Ron, why Ron, why people want Ron fired. But I think he could still make a good defensive coordinator in the NFL. That would be my take. You know, I, I don't think his career should be done, but I do think for Washington to have any sort of success in the near future, I think a rebuild is necessary. And that includes rebuilding your offensive and defensive schemes. Um, they don't have the pieces to work. And, you know, in the years they've had Rivera, they haven't had the pieces to make this work, to make their offense or their defense, you know, stick out. So I think you do have to get someone in the building who, you know, maybe perhaps a young kind of up-and-coming coach look at the Dolphins or even the Jets, what, what they were trying to do, or the Giants, what they were attempting to do, right? Get someone in the building who could put a new system. That way you could bring in the correct pieces to this team. And this goes back to the Jared Goff conversation we just had. If you fire Ron Rivera, who do you bring in as your head coach? Obviously, the first choice people are going to point to is Eric Bieniemy, But he's been through a ton of head coaching interviews, hasn't been hired for some reason, and people are going to say the narrative before was because of racism. But D'Amico Ryans was hired, and you, had, you have all these other head coaches who are African-American. Mike Tomlin's still there, even though we called for him to be fired, or Chuss called for him to be fired. But... Um, there are other coaches who are being hired. Granted, the majority are white. I'll grant, I'll grant you that. But I don't think that's the reason Eric Bieniemy isn't being hired. I'm wondering if there's some sort of personality thing, or maybe in Washington he just had to prove it. 
But you have to – if you're going to fire a guy, you have to have someone to replace him immediately, right? Like, uh, I, no, you, you go. You know, I agree with you saying you should have someone to replace him, but personally I think Rivera is an off-season type of guy. You know, you, you let him go at that point, and maybe you take, you know, a month or so to figure it out. I mean, with Rivera, I mean, my, my, my only worry, I guess, about get, if, the, if Washington gets rid of him is that, as you mentioned, he does have a lot of talent. He can bring a lot to other teams in the league. Um, and, you know, I don't like Adam Gase all too much. I know you don't like him particularly either. But we haven't seen him even on a coaching staff, right, since he got cut. So it, it's a little bit worrisome as to whether all of the blame of Washington will be placed on him or whether some other team will give him a chance even at a lower level. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think – some of the blame is definitely on Ron Rivera because he is the head coach. I don't think – I think he's getting a little bit more blame than what he should be. And Washington fans may have gotten a little too excited about what this season was going to be. I had Washington fans telling me they were going to win the division because there's never been a repeat division winner in the NFC East in so many years. I was like, yeah, but you have to beat the Eagles and the Cowboys. And they're like, Eagles are out just because of this trend. I, I don't know about that. And the Eagles, Eagles might break that trend with the rate they're at right now. Um, but we'll see what happens with Ron Rivera. Next game, not a whole lot to talk about. 49ers versus Seahawks. It was an awesome game. Uh, there's just not a lot of new stuff with it. I mean, what did we learn from it? That Christian McCaffrey is an amazing player. Stan has left me. Um, but... Christian McCaffrey is an amazing player. Brandon Ayuk got shut down a little bit last night, but Brock Purdy didn't forget about him. Brock Purdy said, here, Brandon, here's a touchdown. Uh, Geno Smith didn't look great in the first half. He did get his 200 yards he needed for my parlay, though, so thank you, uh, Geno Smith, for that. Uh, DK had a lot of drops. That That's a bit concerning, but, again, not a lot of narratives to come off of that game. I don't think you come out of that game saying DK Metcalf is horrible. Jackson Smith Najigba had a phenomenal catch, but again, he hasn't really lived up to the hype this year. I mean, he's only expected to get like 600 some yards this season, and he was the first receiver off the board. He's a rookie, and he's he's been buried behind DK and Tyler Lockett and a run first offense with Kenneth Walker. But uh, maybe Jackson Smith Najigba gets some more chances. I just I there wasn't anything here that just said wow, this is a game we need to talk about. This is new. Christian McCaffrey is a dog. That's all I've got. No disagreement there. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, we are going to go into our Sunday predictions. Get rid of that post-it note because we're moving on. First game, Colts versus Buccaneers. Uh, Garden, Gardner Minshew is going to be performing some of his Minshew mania against the Buccaneers. I think Stan actually disagrees with me on this game, though. So, uh, Stan, do you want to defend your pick for the Buccaneers? You know, look at a couple of the Bucs' losses recently. They were against good teams. I think the Bucs are a team that they're never to be counted out of a game. I think Minshew, you know, I love Minshew. As with everyone else, he's a fun guy, but he's not the best quarterback. And there's a reason he didn't start the season uh, you know, as the as the starter on that team, um, and I think I think ultimately that's going to make the difference. The Buccaneers, you know, they have a much more consistent team. 
the Colts don't really have them. They just now got rid of one of their more well-known players on that team. I think all of that kind of comes together to create a situation for the Colts where they're going to have to fight really hard. It's an uphill battle for them. So I'm, I'm going to go Colts here, as I alluded to. Shaq Leonard, yes, star player. I was shocked he got let go. He has had injury issues the last uh, few – this really last year, um, last calendar year. And that could be part of why they let him go. He cleared waivers so a team can pick him up. Um, but the Colts, they, they've been in some of these games. They're, they're not a team to be counted out either. People are starting to figure out who Michael Pittman Jr. is. Um, he was someone who kind of flew under the radar for a little bit. Uh, you got Jonathan Taylor back. You've got – I mean, Gardner Minshew, if I'm being honest, he's on par with Baker Mayfield for me. Like, I don't know that Baker's necessarily a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew. And Chris Godwin hasn't done a whole lot for the Buccaneers. Mike Evans is the guy I'm worried about if I'm the Buccaneers, and I think the Colts defense can probably – not shut him down, but at least like hold him to maybe a touchdown and a like fifty yards or so. We'll see. I just I I I think the Colts can win this game. I'm big on the Colts for this. I want to see some Minshew mania out there, some Jonathan Taylor action, some Michael Pittman Jr. touchdowns. I I, I trust it. Next game. One quick note okay, on that. Okay, okay. I will say you're forgetting about one really important part of the Bucks' offense, and that's their run game. And I know that because I, I got their guys uh, on my fantasy teams, right? And they have a very good run uh, run offense. And I don't know if the Colts can be able to stop that or, or slow that down to any extent. That's that's a, I think I think they will be. I, I think they'll be able to slow it down a little bit. I, I trust in the Colts. I'm with the shoe on this one. Uh, next game is the Giants versus the Patriots. Uh, Stan and I did agree <laughs> that the New York Giants are going to win this game because the Patriots don't know who their starting quarterback is yet because Mac Jones was benched in the fi- for the final drive of the Patriots game in uh, Frankfurt against the Colts, and Bailey Zappi came in. And when they at, the media asked Bill Belichick this week who the starter was going to be, he said, I've told everyone to be ready. So who knows who's going to be starting in New England. Only I'm not even sure if Bill knows. But Tommy DeVito and the Giants are going to look to get it done against uh, the New England Patriots. Next game, Bengals versus the Steelers. Stan is taking the Steelers my heart hurts for that. Um, I'm riding with the Bengals, obviously, as I always do, kind of blindly. Except for last week. I took the Ravens, and I said I thought it was going to be a bad game, and I was right. I was horribly, terribly right. I hated being right. But, Stan, defend the Steelers pick. You know, the Steelers as a team, they're very solid, right? Their offense, yes, it sucks, but you get rid of your OC, who is, you have a lot of issues with, right? Now, now you have a little bit, uh, you know, you get the ball rolling. I, I think this Steelers offense, yes, they've struggled, but they do have the offensive pieces to win this game. And against the Bengals for running with their backup, I just don't see it working too well for them, uh, especially because the Steelers, their strength has been for the last however many years in their defense, right? You were, They're going to get after Jake Browning in the, in the backfield. They're going to push him to his limits. And if he's able to get any passes off, I think there's a high probability that unless it's a very planned play, that you're going to see a, a couple of interceptions there too. 
Um, I think it's going to be a very defensive game, but I think the Steelers' defense is going to come out as the victors. So, here's here's the thing. Here's the dealio with this. Jake Browning, wild card. We have no idea what he's going to look like. The only time we've seen him was on Thursday Night Football, and he threw a touchdown to Jamar Chase, and we had he had some good plays. I liked what I saw. I went back and looked at his draft profile, did a whole video on this, and I said, you know what? His main – the main concern a lot of the scouts had with him was that he relied on his receivers at Washington to help him win football games. He needed good receivers. Guess what the Bengals have a plethora of? Very good receivers. Even, even with T. Higgins out, they still have – um. Wow, I just forgot everyone's name. Trenton Irwin, Andre Yosivas, you have Charlie Jones, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, obviously. You have a ton of receivers. The tight ends have stepped up. He's going to have guys he can throw the ball to, and it doesn't need to be an insane game, and we can finally maybe get the run game going. Yes, the Steelers' defense is amazing, uh, and is Jake Browning's elusiveness going to be tested? Yes. T.J. Watt is a monster, but... That offense is awful. And, yes, they fired Matt Canada, but they also just fired their, their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. That, that's there's You don't know what they're going to look like. And the Bengals' run defense has been bad. They are not the – yeah, the Bengals' run defense has been bad. and But Najee also hasn't been that great. So you look at Jalen Warren to be the number one guy. Sam Hubbard's coming back, and he's one of the best run defensive ends in the NFL. So we've got that. So hopefully we can shut that down, force Kenny Pickett to win the game. And I think even with Cam Taylor Britt out, some of these other guys will step up. Jordan Battles, the new starting safety. If he gets an interception, Chuss has to buy a T-shirt, Bengals T-shirt. If he gets a pick six, Stan or uh, Chuss has to buy a jersey for Jordan Battle. So let's look for that this Sunday. I think the Bengals can win it. I'm excited for this one. I Last time the Steelers played a Bengals backup, we know what happened. Ryan Finley had that beautiful smile on his face at the end of the game. So I'm going Bengals. Uh, next game is Panthers-Titans. We both agreed that the Titans will win because the Panthers are not good at football at the NFL level, just to clarify. So no one is in our comments yelling at us like, like you could do any better. We know that Bryce Young is a better quarterback than we are. Jaguars-Texans, this is possibly the best game on the schedule this week. There are a few that could you could argue are better, but I really like this game. Uh, AFC South matchup, two young star quarterbacks going at it with Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud, who has been having a phenomenal season. Other than last week, he kind of regressed a little bit, threw a t- three interceptions, but they still won the game. So, uh, Stan, what do you think here? I think the more established run game from the uh, Jags is going to come out. And I think in, in this type of game, you got two great aerial offenses, but the Jaguars have Etienne and Etienne has been so good for them. So I think you see a situation here where the, the Jaguars will come out with the victory. So more established run game. You're right there. I mean, last week someone asked me, should I start Devin Singletary in fantasy? And I said, no, because he hadn't really done anything He had 150 rushing yards against the Bengals, but he had like 380 total on the season, including those 150. So he had like half of his rushing yards in one game. 
And, of course, he goes out against the Cardinals and has 112 rushing yards and a touchdown. So he proved me wrong. Um, I, I think he's on a hot streak. Uh, I think Tank Dell has been phenomenal. He's officially changed his name to Tank Dell, no longer Nathaniel. Uh, we've got a good young team in Houston. And so I think this could be – this is going to be a fun game, but I think the Texans prevail here. I think C.J. Stroud continues his – Rookie of the Year, possibly an MVP campaign. Uh, there's been talks about that now. I don't know when the last time a rookie won MVP, but it's probably been a while, and C.J. Stroud might be the first in a long time to do it. So I'm going Texans. I think one thing we could definitely both agree on is this is going to be a great game to watch. Oh, it's going to be a fun game to watch, and it's going to have some playoff implications as well, I think. So uh next game is saints falcons Derek carr is back from a concussion he is starting according to the media who do you got i have the same sir you know i I think i think with these type of games saints versus falcons everyone you know a little bit on edge there but i think the saints are going to be the better game uh, sorry the better team here um i think Carr is a bit of a difference maker while Jameis Winston, their backup, isn't that much of a drop-off, I think Carr is exactly what they need right now in the season, going to get up against the Falcons uh, to, to get this into the victory column. Yeah, I'm going with the Saints, too, just because I can't trust the Falcons' offense. I love their defense. I cannot trust their offense to do anything, though, because it seems like Arthur Smith can't decide which player he – it's like he's playing against guys in fantasy that week, so he decides that they're not going to get the ball. We've seen Bijan not get the ball. Drake London not get the ball. Kyle Pitts not get the ball. You never know what's going to happen, so I'm just throwing the Falcons out. Um, we're going Saints. Next game is Rams-Cardinals, and uh, this is another one we have to discuss. We differed here. Uh, you took the Rams. Why do you Why do you think the Rams are going to win? Well, one thing you mentioned is Cooper Cup is, is likely to come back. I think that's a big difference maker. And he's not even – the strongest uh, piece on that offense, in my opinion, at this point in time, because you have so many other, uh, you know, strong players out there. So I think the Rams are the better team. I know you do like the Cardinals a little more than I do. Um, I know we've had uh, a certain Cardinals uh, fan on the show a few times, but here's what I'll say. The Rams are the better team and there are, they are on a hot streak. And to me, that's going to be the difference. maker. I think they're, they're just a much stronger opponent here. So I, reason I'm against the Rams, I'm not for the Rams here, is, yeah, you're getting cut back. You're getting Kyron Williams back off of a long IR. But Sean McVay has said they're going to try and take some snaps off of Kyron Williams, so he's not going to necessarily be the main guy. And they just they got rid of Darrell Henderson Jr. He's off the team. Um, so there, it seems like they're going to be depending a lot on their passing game. So Puka and Higby and Cup. Maybe a little bit on Tutu at, Atwell and Skoranek. Cardinals, they're getting they got Kyler Murray back, and Kyler Murray looked great last week. So I mean, Marquise Brown is in that contract here. He's trying to get his stats looking good. Um, I'm, I think he's in a. I'm pretty sure he's in a contract here. Um, either way, he wants to get those stats up. Kyler Murray, James Conner, I know is in a contract here. They're they're looking to improve. Um, show the world that they are not tanking for Caleb Williams. They are. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to win football games, and I think this is a game that they try to do that against, against a divisional opponent. I got the cards. Um, next game. I was shocked, honestly, by your choice here. We got Browns-Broncos. 
Um, you took the Broncos. It kind of explained that to me. If you want to talk about a hot streak right now in the league, the Broncos are that team. They look great the last, uh, what, four weeks. Um, and I think they've won every game of those last four. Uh, don't quote me on that. But here's what I'll say. I think the Broncos right now are the better-looking team. I think Sean Payton, some of the things he was trying to implement, they're really culminating in the in their offense and in their defense the last few weeks. Um, the Browns, they don't really have a quarterback who – in my opinion, is ready to be an NFL starter. I, I know we might, you know, go back and forth on that point. Uh, and, and while they do have the best defense, I think in a low-scoring situation, the Broncos have a lot of great defensive pieces too. And the Broncos' offense, which I think beats the Browns' offense, is going to be the victors in this game. So, DTR might have been a bit wrong there. I'll admit it. I think he's still got some potential, but he has not really been great. He's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns because he's thrown no touchdowns. Jake Browning has more career touchdowns than Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, fun fact, Jake Browning also has more second half touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes in like the last three games. So just to go back to Jake Browning and be hype about him. Um, anyway, Dorian Thompson Robinson has not been great. They do have Joe Flacco. I don't think he's going to start this week because they just brought him in. Um, the thing I would be concerned about if I'm a Broncos fan is again, miles Garrett, miles Garrett lives for these moments where he can be the game changer. He, the game shaker, the man of the game and the Broncos have a good defense too. P Patrick Sertain is great. And you're right. Russell Wilson and, uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, they have been on a hot streak. I, I just think that. Miles Garrett is going to break into that line. He's going to rustle with Wilson's mind, and you're going to actually see the Browns come out on top with another defensive win. Um, I don't think the Broncos' offense is enough to really counter this Browns' defense yet. So next game is – this is one of the games that I thought could maybe counter that Jaguars-Texans game. you got the Bills and the Eagles – they did look better now that they fired their offensive coordinator, and we differed on this one as well. You're taking the Eagles. I kind of did for a minute, but then I remembered it looked like crap on Monday Night Football, even though they won. So why do you think the Eagles? Well, you said the Bills looked better, but they looked better against the Jets, who of the last what, four <laughs> weeks, everyone's looked better against them. Even the Giants, who we beat, has looked better against us. Um, so I'm not really taking that too much into consideration. What I will say is the Bills, uh, yeah, the, they didn't have the turnovers that got their last guy fired. But you know what they did have? Boring, slow offense, right? They only won because their defense was able to shut out our offense. That was why yeah. the Bills won, in my opinion. And I don't think that's a factor at all, really, against the Eagles because the Eagles are going to be on the field a lot longer. They're not going to be the Jets uh, type of offense for you know three and outs and then a punt. Um, you can really trust, you know, the, the Eagles offense to really push the Bills to their extent. And I think you're going to see that on the other side of the ball, too. The Eagles, uh, we've, I've said this before, to me, their one weakness on their defense is uh, their cornerback room, right? But I don't think that's so much of a factor against the Bills because the Bills, the, the, the Eagles uh, pass rush, I think is going to put a lot of pressure uh, on the Bills. And the Bills don't do well when their quarterback is getting pressured constantly. Um, he, he is not very good under stress, right? I don't think Allen is the guy who's going to be able to hold up 
strongly against that Eagles pass rush, and that to me is going to be the difference maker. I think the difference maker in this game is going to be if the Eagles offensive line shows up like they did on Monday Night Football, which it was like they'd gotten too drunk the night before recording Christmas albums, and they allowed five sacks in the first half. You can't, you can't do that. It, it's just it's bad football. I'm a Bengals fan. I know about bad offensive lines. The Eagles are not generally a team with a bad offensive line, but against the Chiefs they were. Ed Oliver has been having a career year for the Buffalo's defensive line, so he's going to be trying to get to Jalen Hurts as much as he can. So I think that's going to be the defining factor. Uh, I, I, This is a hard one. I am going to go with the Bills only because you went with the Eagles. <laughs> so we'll see uh, who comes out right. Eagles are a very good football team, though, and this was not an easy decision for me. Um, next game, Chiefs Raiders. Max Crosby is injured. He is doubtful to play. Big hit to the uh, Raiders defense. And the Raiders are another team that's kind of been on a roll since firing their head coach. So you took the – I think we both took the Chiefs, right? You still on the Chiefs? Yeah. Yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes. Those receivers, though, lots of drops. Fun fact, um, who is someone – oh, Deron Bland, who I completely forgot about this. Sorry, Deron Bland. Um, he set the record for most pick sixes in a season. He has five, and he's a backup. So uh, that's insane. He has six touchdowns this season because he has a scoop and score as well. That is more than all of the Chiefs receivers combined, all their wide receivers combined. So uh, shout out to Jerron Bland a little late. Sorry about that, bud. I put a short out for you, though. Um, but, yeah, I think the Chiefs still win it. I think Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey get her done. Uh, next game is Ravens versus Chargers, and this is the final game before Monday Night Football, which we'll talk about on Monday. We both agreed the Ravens will win, even though I want them to lose. So uh, is that that all you've got for today, Stan? That's about it. That's all you got? Wow. See, this is proof that we don't script any of this other than just who our picks are because that's the way we roll here on No Buts About It. Uh, thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube at No Buts Show. Our social media pages are NoButts underscore show on Instagram and NoButts show on TikTok. My Twitter is Josh underscore butts underscore 2001. And if you would like to reach us, you can email us at bullmoosepodcast2. That's the number two at gmail.com. Finally, our spread shop will be in the description. So check out the merch. Once again, if you enjoyed today's show, like, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, go do something nice for someone.